IndependentLeft.News. Indie. Indie. What's up, Indie? Indie News Network. Indie. I get news from Independent Left. IndependentLeft.News. IndependentLeft.News. Indie Left Media. Independent Left News. Indie Left. Independent Left News. Independent Left Media. Indie Media. Indie Left. Indie. 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 Indie Left News. Indie Left. Hi, Indie. Indie Left News. Subscribe to Indie News Network. We're world building. Your your way of assisting, I feel like, is really cool. IndependentLeft.News. IndependentLeftNews. I'm a huge fan. He created INN. The founder of uh, Independent News Network. Indie is the founder of Indie News Network. Thank you, IndependentLeft.News. A huge thank you and shout out to Indie Left. Everyone, check out Indie Left News. Hey, Indie Left. IndependentLeft.News. Indie. Indie. Hi, Indie. Indie Left. Indie Left News. Indie News. Independent Media. IndependentLeft News has done an amazing job. Hi, everybody. Oh, whoa, what's this? Oh, we're getting fancy. We got three people tonight. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Indy. You know, I can see you can see my face. But if you're listening on podcast, uh, hi, uh, this is Indy. I've got two guys with me. I got this guy, Dr. Smokey.cloud. Check it out. He's got a new website. I probably need to receive nice. this thing in there. Uh, I see now inside box one. And the other guy is Chris Legion, INN member. Most censored guy on Twitter, apparently, recently. My buddy, your buddy, so everybody's buddy, Chris Legion. Welcome to How Did We Miss That? This is a, a fun show. We have fun here, as as our brother Jesse always likes to say. We have fun here. Um, yeah, I don't know why I can't move you around, Reef. I don't know where your cam is now. Uh, I think it might be this one. Uh, it's, it's there somewhere. It's this one. There you go. Now you're moving over a little bit. Now we're cooking with gas. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. So we got three people here. So this is going to be a little bit different tonight. Uh, this is great. I'm so excited to have Chris here, seriously. Uh, so let me give Chris a little bit of an introduction. Chris, uh, right now, he just got a new Twitter account, and but you can find him on Substack, which he also just joined and published his first Substack on INN, indienewsnetwork.substack.com. Is that also on yours too, Chris? Are you muted? Yeah, so it's on my own, so you can check that out as well. Uh, cool. The links are in my t- both my Twitter uh, prescription. So go ahead. Yep, they're also up here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's so, that's pretty much it. So yeah, I've I've got them actually in in his tag. So you can go chrislegion.substack.com. Go follow him, subscribe for free, or right. you can support him and and be a paying member. Also, I believe he's got that hooked up, so you can hook him up. Uh, so welcome everybody. Like yes, I say, yes. to how do we miss that? How Do We Miss That is a show and podcast streaming live on Rockfin, YouTube, Twitch, Rumble, Facebook, Twitter, Odyssey, Telegram. Yeah, we're live on Telegram. We're live on Substack. We're live on IndieLeft.News also. We self-host. Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. That's right now. 7 Pacific. Let's forget. Let's not forget our friends on the West Coast. And I don't know what time it is in England, but it's really early in the morning, I believe. So we're also available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, again, Spotify. We're doing video on Spotify. We're also on Amazon, Apple, Google Podcasts. There also, if you say, "Hey Alexa, go to go to the uh, How Did We Miss That podcast," they'll be able to. You'll be able to hear it there. Uh, it's co-hosted normally by me, Indy. I'm founder and editor of Indy Left News and Indy Media Today. I got Reef Breland sitting next to me. Still, he's over there. Okay, he's the host of Reefer After Dark and INN News on Indy News Network. And then we've also got Chris Legion, and we are all members. And Chris Legion, again, he is, uh, he's got his own channel on Chris Legion. He is a DJ. 
he does stories and he is a spicy Twitter Twitter bro. Uh, and <laughs> yes. he's an INN member. Making enemies so, wherever I go. <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's really cool to have you here again. So so glad to have you commenting on this. Chris has been doing Thank excellent you. excellent commentary on again on media on censorship, on narrative management, on foreign policy, on domestic policy. Uh, I think, you know, he comes kind of more out of the progressive lefty Bernie bro side, kind of like we did, but then evolved beyond that. We're not doing that anymore. And, you know, all, all uh-huh. uh, electoral politics kind of is shitty to us. And we're, there's no hope for any of us any there right. in, in there right now. So it's like, all right, so what are we going to do? Mutual aid, help each other and, and, you know, focus on on local stuff and on electoral on on um on ballot measures and that type. You know what what we can actually affect. Uh, so 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 again, welcome, Chris. Uh, we're all founding founding members, like I said, of Indie News Network, collaborative family of independent content creators. All the stories that we're going to cover were featured and included this week in IndependentLeft.News between Sunday and Friday. It is impossible to keep up with the fire hose of developing news all week long. These are only 50, like, like 50, not 50, just like four or five big story, pretty big stories out of 150 stories. Oh my God, we'd be here forever. Um, that's a typo. Please make sure, share this link, like the stream, subscribe to our channels on all the platforms you watch and listen. We're everywhere. Uh, I've got them in the ticker, but I still always like to say thank you and shout out the, the volunteers and the people that actually make this show happen. Big Bad Crab, who's our creative director at INN. He does all our badass thumbnails. Jimmy Sunderland, uh, that's it's Jimmy meets Jimmy Saves World and Image Productions over on Twitch. Go follow her. She made our kick-ass trailer. We got Phantom Osfanto that does our video editing. Make sure that we've got clips every week to put up. And then we've got Fred Edward and Chris Gilman over on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, making sure that everybody can see our stuff over there as well. So appreciate everybody. Um, again, podcasts is available. Go to anchor.fm slash independent left news and you can find uh, the podcast on all the platforms. So, um, Chris, man, so you joined INN, I think it was right, right after we started the network, right at the end of December. Yeah, it was, um, like a month or two after the network started. Yeah. You were one of the first people that would, yeah, you and Angel, I remember you were like the first two people that that we wanted to add. Um, cause you hadn't actually like started doing streaming yet, if I remember correctly. And then, you started yeah. going. I was like, "All right, dude. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna do that, let's let's go." Um, and we got you. Yeah, so- like um, right. Yeah, like um, I I remember, um, I think it was me, Lewis, and Angel. Uh, I think Lewis came like right after us, and then Robert Durden um, posted a video about us jumping on. I remember that, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, it was great, man. It was great to be part of INN, you know. Um, I've always wanted to be part of a network and, and basically, you know, I always felt like it's strength in numbers, you know, and an independent media, we're all by ourselves. And when you, when you branch out by yourself, it's just really, really difficult. Um, and you have so much against you. So there's strength in numbers. So it's a great, that we're together. Um, we have a lot of different networks that are out there trying to make waves, but, uh, you know, we're growing and, uh, you know, it's great, great to be part of, of, of this, uh, of this network and i usually say what's up to this dude over here what's up brief uh what have you been doing what's what up, have you man? been up to all week man working on soundboard stuff doing INN news um ai art occasionally yeah you know is fun. all the the finer things in life 
Nice. You know, Dr. Smokey. That's right. That's actually a link to Therese Linktree. So you don't actually have to go to remember the link tr.ee. Just go to drsmokey.cloud and literally it'll go right to his link tree. <laughs> Love it. He, he uh, did right. that. I, I will I will let him take credit for that. I will I will take credit for that whole thing. Well, I'll, I'll, it, it was when we were doing the Bong Father shop thing, and and I think I bought like like uh, the bongfather.cloud and drsmokey.cloud because we were going to do something funny with that or a funny weed show or something. And anyway, mm. all right. So we've got some stories to get to. Uh, you can see we're also live on Rockfin. I've got the Rockfin chat up uh, since it's just me saying hi. I'm going to turn that off. But we got Rockfin chat, so if you go over there, we can put Rockfin chats up. And we are monetized. You can go leave, leave us a tip if, if you feel like it and, and you're feeling generous and you got some bucks. Not that we're pressuring anybody to do anything. We're good. But we, we really appreciate it, and it does take some money to, to run all this stuff. So, again, uh, I wanted to go through. Here's our thumbnail. Like I said, shout out. Thank you to Big Mac Trev for putting this together. We've got a bunch of stories that we want to cover. Uh, NATO doing a preemptive strike, or would they really do that? Uh, well, it's been discussed. You know, talking about prison health care and what's going on over at Starbucks and, of course, some spin on Ukraine, which I know Chris Chris has some some opinions on unions. And I just thought that, you know, some of the topics tonight would really kind of work out for, for his his wheelhouse, too. So excited to, to get going here. Yeah. So, again, let's let's talk about NATO and, and what's going on here. Uh, so this was in Covert Action magazine, I found the day before the day before Halloween. NATO had plans for a preemptive strike on Russia using the cover of a French-led naval exercise in the Mediterranean. Again, this may not be that much of a surprise, but now we're actually like finding out the, the real truth. So revelations further underscore mendacity behind Biden administration claim that Russia's invasion of Ukraine was unprovoked. What a surprise, right? Uh, again, I don't think that this is really much of a surprise, but it coming out in official writing, I don't see too many people talking about this. So Polaris 21, large-scale French naval exercise in the Mediterranean that took place November 18th to December 3rd, 21, off of the island of Corsica between France and Italy, right? Officially, aim of the training was to test the capabilities of the sea and air elements to face future wars, using the latest systems and naval vessels to develop tactics, right? So switch on scenario. virtual webcam so we can actually read. Oh, shit. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, right. Sorry about that. You're uh, good. Yeah, I, you can see it, but not really as well. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. Scenario of the exercise, which saw the participation of 23 ships, one submarine, 65 aircraft, 6,000 personnel from six NATO nations, including the U.S., was to enable the, the Allies to maintain control of the Mediterranean in the event of a threat from the Russian Air Force and Navy. Well, that that's kind of weird, right? Like, what's up with that? Journalists have come into possession of documents which detail plans for the NATO coalition to use polar Polaris exercise to send a French carrier strike group to preemptively attack Russia in the case of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, which the U.S. and NATO were in the process of already provoking. <laughs> U.K. signed an agreement with Ukraine that granted it access to naval bases in Ukraine that could be used to attack the Russian Federation. Holy crap. And when was this? Mm-hmm. This was before February 24th, guys. Right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> So according to Slavisha Batko Milicic, writing in Global Village Space, Polaris 21 exercise became uh, became for the Russian Federation a signal of the rear preparation for NATO for the start of hostilities against it, as happened when a full-scale U.S.-NATO military operation to affect regime change in Libya, which is Operation Odyssey Dawn, followed two NATO air-sea exercises in 2010. Right? And this is 
the uh, the the one over Libya, one of the jets. So again, covert right. action. I'm just ripping all the stuff. We're trying to get more visual, trying to make it a little more appealing. So, mm-hmm. what is this Defender 21? Well, the Fe- Polaris 21 was carried out in conjunction with the U.S. Army and Europe Africa Exercise Defender Europe 21. So now all of them are carrying out all these joint exercises together. This is like one of the largest exercises I remember them reporting on this in, in quite a long time. It was set up under the premise, again, that Russia was an aggressor power like the Nazis, <laughs> though it was the Soviet Union that had stood up to the Nazi invasion, of course, in World War II. We knew that. Yeah. Right? But significantly, perhaps, headquarters of U.S. Army, Europe, Africa's command um, for the so-called Eastern Front is in Weisbaden, Germany, which was headquarters for the Nazi Verkais 12 during World War II. Oh, oh that, that's bad. It's a fair Christ. That's <laughs> awful. Everything's going in reverse. Right? So this is, <laughs> this is literally like all the different participants and exercises. This is, this is just massive, okay? And this came from, from James.com. You have NATO and OTAN, and that, that, that's our, our friends with the, with the Shebills like to, like to put that, that logo up. But from the Russian point of view, its SMO in Ukraine was necessary in the face of a pro, potential preemptive strike by NATO, combined with the fact that NATO wanted to use Kiev as a base for conducting a war against the Russian Federation. That I wasn't... Uh, see, I didn't know that. <laughs> Um, Interesting. Ukraine is now very clearly evolved, evolved into a proxy war. I don't think anybody, I mean, even Congress admits that now. The West aimed to overthrow Putin's government, fitting the past yeah. pattern of past military interventions against nationalist regimes in Libya, Ukraine, Syria, and Iraq. I mean, they're looking to set up Ukraine to be the next version of that, right? So what happened in Syria? Russia supported sovereignty, a legitimate government of Assad, while U.S. and EU supported various jihadist groups like Al-Qaeda, Al-Nusra, the ISIS even, which is in Arabic called Daesh, right, which is all the yes. terrorist groups. Yeah, they, it, Which, it, according it, to it, mainstream press, is a conspiracy theory. Right. Right, so Wikipedia, and not Wiki, not WikiLeaks, but Wikipedia, the, the, the Intel one the, yeah. that's controlled by the Intel state, reported yeah, that facts. 20s, right? <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the, the, the government-approved facts. They were. They even reported <laughs> yeah. that 26 NATO members participated in Defender Europe 21, a U.S. Army-led military exercise, including operations in the Baltics that extended into March. Into March. This is after the SMO had already begun. All right. This month, 14 NATO countries are participating in a follow-up exercise that fast noon designed to train flight crews to handle thermonuclear bombs. Thermonuclear bombs, which we covered on uh, INN News for sure. Yeah. Why? That's coming out of Berlin, right? Yep. So again, these yep. exercises assume Putin's willingness to use nuclear weapons, even though Russia was put on high nuclear alert because of heavy U.S. and NATO provocation. U.S. leaders have been the ones way more frequently threatening nuclear war and talking about the fact that they're pushing us, that, that we're being pushed to the brink. No, they're pushing us to the brink. Right. right. So in 2019, Trump admin withdrew from the INF Treaty. Okay, which put a cap on the deployment of U.S. and Russian strategic warheads. But, and there's the picture of Reagan and Gorby famously signing that. Right. This was a good example of the move away from diplomatic engagement by U.S. leaders waging a new Cold War um, that has already become hot. And yeah, it's scary. Um, 
it's it's like the the amount of stupidity from like top like people at the top of the military industrial complex who are you know only looking at the profit part of it but they really think that like this can't go to a hot war or i don't know what they're thinking or they just totally out of control i don't know what it is yeah I have to turn you up, Reef, a little bit. No, you sh- I should maybe. Yeah. I can't. Here, I oh, can no, you're pull good. this closer a little. Oh yeah, that's that's much better. There you go. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, that work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, they they just got their kill streaks in Call of Duty. I think that's what it was. Yeah. You know. Tactical nuke incoming. Yeah. Like that's that's pretty much what they're waiting for. Yeah, just play so much Call of Duty, they think like it's real life. <laughs> yeah, they think it's a a tactical that they can do somehow limited nuclear warfare. That's what they think is possible. I I, I don't even know what how to how to define that sentence. Um, <laughs> yes, Spoopy! but it's like Spoopy oh, what's is up, in the house. Spookies. Um, and we've got Screw Google. What's up, Screw Google? I remember you from HLM chats. Yeah, Restream Bot is actually relaying chats from the INN from the Indie News Network channel over to. Yep. Uh, any left news and vice versa, um, because we've got both of them hooked up, as well as relaying chats from Twitch, so you can see the chat tra- the chats that are coming over from Twitch or any other platform. That wow. Yes. Th- th- thank you, Reef. Appreciate that. Um, so that was You're our welcome. first story. That was a quick one. I like that. I like beautiful. That story. The next Nothing story might make you feel good. I feel good know? story. Yeah. Oh. 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 We we cover a lot of feel good stories over here. Just the end of the world yeah. as we yeah. know it. Yep. We're hey, definitely gonna die. Hey. Okay. Next story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yep. 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 Okay. So there's yeah. nuclear war, and there and there was us prepping for nuclear war uh, before we even uh, before anything had. Now again, this was November, December of last year. This was a massive operation. There's another one happening now, and again, but Putin's the bad guy, right? Putin's the bad guy. Yeah. This looks like the the start to a friendly judo match. Oh, well, um. nobody else can see that yet. So, so, so let's show everybody what 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 that friendly judo match looks like. Okay, Ooh. and we're gonna we're gonna talk ah. about some of the spin on Ukraine. That's our Secretary of Defense, very famously Lloyd Austin, and that is uh, the head, the president, I believe, of NATO. And we're gonna talk about him in a few minutes. But we've got Oz in the house. We've got Gira Brown, Rick Solis, Kelly. Hi, everybody. How's the house fam? Good to see everybody so much. Uh, so much love out there. And we need it because the world is going to hell. So, mm-hmm. Ukraine spin. What's going on? <clears throat> Patrick Lawrence. You know, it's funny, Reef. We covered Patrick Lawrence last week, and he posted a uh, – he did an original for Sheer Post, which is in the – Not to be confused the... with Jennifer Lawrence or – the other Lawrence, that's the actor. Martin. 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 Yeah. Um, no, not to be confused with either of those. But um, so this is in Consortium News, which is another indie media award winner, like Shearpost, like Shearpost was. Patrick Lawrence very easily could have been, and uh, they 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 put their their caveat disclaimer on this one. The views are solely these of those of the author, it may or may not reflect. But I have a feeling that in this case, they actually do reflect. The views of the uh, the editors and those of Consortium News, who are amazing, outstanding people. I've actually been DMing and messaging back and forth with Kathy Vogan, who's one of the editors and founders. She's fantastic. Go follow and support Consortium News if you can, please. Uh, they're one of the few independent, really uncorrupted outlets that's calling out what's going on with imperialism. So is Cold War Action Magazine, the one before. 
They do outstanding work again since 1978. The new one again, Consortium News, Patrick Lawrence, War as Presentation. And this is really talking about narrative stuff. November 1st, this is the day after Halloween now. As the U.S. midterm elections approach, the gap between Western media's depiction of the war in Ukraine and the actual war waged on the ground appears to be widening more dramatically, right? I don't think that's surprising. There's... Ah! Oh, sorry. Those are voters. Um, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, the kid. Wait. You see the kid? Oh. Pokemon go to the polls. No! Yeah. No! Oh, God, she has infected our stream. Go away, <laughs> Demon C. Go away, Demon. All right. Of course, we are urged. That, uh, and and pa- I believe Patrick has a British accent, but then he came over here. He lived here for a long time. His bio is on at the end. We're urged at every turn to dismiss everything Putin says is upside down to the truth, right? Those of us who keep our heads while, uh, while all about us, others are losing theirs and blaming it on us, risk dismissal when we take the Russian president seriously. Never mind. It's simply time to dismiss those who dismiss. In his long interviews with Oliver Stone five years ago, Putin observed that it is impossible to work with the Americans because everything is held hostage by their election cycle. So true. Too bad so many of us, so many among us, are not capable of listening to the Russian leader on this point and learning from it something about how our post-democratic system malfunctions. Right? Domestic politics, what plays in Peoria and all that, determines foreign policy. This was Putin's point. And what electoral politics determines foreign policy, foreign policy becomes presentation, which is to say unserious, because all the good people of Peoria ever get from Washington polls are unserious presentations of events and policies that have little to do with reality. He's right. Okay. America has started wars because of what political candidates think will play in Peoria at election time. Um, I think we're seeing that play out right now. Countless lives have been yep. sacrificed to the cause of this or that political candidate or party. <clears throat> Paul Pelosi. What? No, I didn't I didn't say that. Um, as the late Robert Parry, who is the founder of Consortium News, Gary Sick established. There is ample reason to suspect that the, that the Reagan campaign conspired with Iran during the 1980 presidential campaign to delay the release of American hostages at the U.S. Embassy in Tehran until after the November 4th elections. Whatever happened between Reagan's people and the clerics governing Iran, the great communicator went on to present himself as the strongman savior of the hostages who were released on January 20th, 1981, of course, the day that Reagan was inaugurated after trouncing Jimmy Carter at the polls. This is all known history yeah. right and now we have the ukraine case and we need not bother with ample reason there is an it is an open and shut evident at this point as we, that we witnessed two wars as the american armed forces of ukraine face off with russian military uh, i'm sorry not let me read that again it is an open and shut evident it is open and shut evident at this point that we witnessed two wars as the armed forces of ukraine <laughs> Face off with the Russian military. There is the presented war, the meta war, you might say, and there is the waged war, the war taking place on the ground. Nothing meta about it. Wow, that was a, a real Freudian slip. American armed forces of Ukraine. It might as well be. I yeah. mean, we all know that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. And there, actually, this is a, one of those pictures. This is from Wikimedia Commons, from Wiki, again, Wiki, Wikipedia, not WikiLeaks. This might even be WikiLeaks. But this is Putin and all and Oliver Stone sitting down. 
The Biden yeah. admin has been committed from the first to fighting the presented war, the war of appearances, because maintaining the public support for this dreadful folly is essential to keeping it going. And with the midterms near, the administration and the clerks in the liberal press serving it are pressing the presented war with the vigor of D-Day generals. Right? Stay with us, all you waivers of blue and yellow flags. Forget about inflation and what you have to pay for a gallon of gas or a box of Wheaties. We're getting this done. The tide has turned. The good, courageous, self-sacrificing Ukrainians are winning against those looting, war crime, committing, village-destroying, brutal, they are ever and always brutal, Russian forces. Don't lose heart. Support us on November 8th as we support Ukraine. Wow, that really does sound like a Democratic oh. Party ad. Yeah. yeah, I I just threw up in my mouth, sorry, for even having to say that. Yeah. That is the pitch. This is the this is the presentation. Right. Parenthetically, I do not think this rubbish will make a wit's difference when those Americans are <laughs> foolish enough to go to the polls next week. Right. But the White uh. House and Democratic field have to put this across because the Republicans are hammering them daily about the irrationality of their profligate commitment to proxy war that simply cannot be won on the ground. And then there, of course, is the Frontline's coverage ban, which Patrick goes into. And that gets into our friend Eva Bartlett, of course, who's in famously in the Donbass. Um, the presented war has been at variance with the waged war more or less since the Russian intervention began on February 24th. This is why Western correspondents, in any case apparently short on guts and integrity, are pleased enough to conform to the Kiev regime's ban on coverage from the front lines. What? Yes. There are no, there's nobody embedded with you. Well, also because they don't want to get the, the reporters killed because all the Ukrainian soldiers, are, <laughs> many of them are actually getting killed. So that's. Yeah, I've actually seen it. I've, I've seen a bunch of reporters that go there and they never go up to the front line. They're always in the back. And well, they're they not allowed. A couple yeah. of bombs go off and they run away. Like yeah. right? Malcolm Schmantz. Yeah. yeah. Like little, guy, well, little Dylan bum, dumb bum Barnes. Did he even go sure. there? By, by and large, these correspondents report the presented war. But the gap between the presented war and the waged war now appears to be widening more dramatically. And here's where it really gets insane. It's an emperor has no clothes. On one hand, the Ukrainian celebrated counteroffensives launched in August appear to be exhausted with no significant gains achieved. You, have, you also have Russia's call-up of, of as many as 300,000 reservists and the appointment of Sergei Surovkin, who's a no-nonsense general that led Russia's campaign against the, the, the Islamic State in Syria as the overall commander of Ukraine operations. On the other hand, you have you have the midterms. Yeah. Since the summer, the Democrats' prospects on November 8th grow ever dimmer. Those prosecuting the presented war have grown even more incautious in their departures from the waged war. It's They're, they're just being ridiculous. I could be wrong, right? But this latest phase in the presented war began October 12th, the midterms a month away, when the New York Times quoted Lloyd Austin saying that Ukraine's offenses will continue well into the winter and that Russia's recent attacks on Ukraine's infrastructure have fortified the West's re unified resolve to continue supporting the Kiev regime. Oh, shit. Doesn't Russia, like, really fight good during the winter? Is that, like, where they're... That's, like, their is thing? It, that's their thing. That's, like, kind of... That's kind of, like, their thing. Oh, kind of, yeah. So there's, there's Jen Stoltenberg and Lloyd Austin. And here I mean, it continues, right? Yeah, uh, yeah go Sekta. ahead. I expect that Ukraine will continue to do everything it can throughout the winter to regain its territory to, and to be effective on the battlefield. Okay. But 
we're going to do everything we can to make sure that they have what's required to be effective, meaning $100 billion and tons of weapons. Yep. But they're still losing. And those weapons are going to end up in God only knows whose hands. Oh, wait wait until everything... Like say we get out of this when it's over, like all that all that stuff is going on the black market as it, you know, it already is though, but it's gonna get really bad. Yep. Wyatt yeah, Reed I mean, too, by the way. Shout out to Wyatt Reed. Shout out to Georgia Leeson. Shout out to all of the the reporters that are in in the Donbass region that are trying to report from from the ground and from the front lines to give us the story of what's really happening, and call out the Nazis for being Nazis when they act like Nazis. Um, but. Here's what's weird. Again, Patrick's pointing out that Austin's comments seem to me to mark an important point of departure from reality. Neither of the above quoted assertions is true according to all available evidence. That's bad. Um, Ukraine's mm-hmm. counteroffensives after its forces pushed through an open door in the Northeast have nothing to show for themselves and are in for a debilitating winter. The West resolve no secret to anyone. Even the Times looks increasingly wobbly, especially as the Democrats are about to lose Congress. Basically, they're going to have eight weeks to spend a shitload of money, and then they're going to lose the ability to continue to fund this thing. But here's the thing about the presented war. What's said in its cause does not have to be factual or in any way true. It simply just has to be said over and over again. Fake news. Fake news. Right? (laughs) And what are they wrong? It's wrong. Right? And this is what, what how. On Sunday, the Times published a long piece by Andrew Kramer under the headline, With Western Weapons, Ukraine is Turning the Tables in an Artillery War. The subhead was even bolder. In the southern Kherson region, this is a quote from the New York Times, Ukraine now has the advantage in range and precision guidance of artillery, rockets, and drones, erasing what had been a critical Russian asset. Um, yeah, okay. Wow, I said over my fourth morning coffee, turning the tables, erasing <laughs> Russia's superiority in artillery. This is a lot of turning and erasing. <laughs> Drinking my latte. Right? Watching the Yeah. The Kramer's report yep. rests on interviews with a Ukrainian lieutenant, a first lieutenant, a major, and a Polish consultant sitting in Gdansk. All of them, fair to say, troops in the presented war. They are full of ballsy, let me add remarks. We can reach them and they cannot reach us. One shot, one kill. It'll be Stalingrad in winter for them, which tells us precisely nothing. Kramer's assessments, all nothing more than the echoes of the above noted sources, are in this same line. There is no mistaking the shifting fortunes of the southern front. Ukraine now has that artillery superiority in the area. This firepower has tipped the balance in the south. Again, saying nothing. These statements are absolutely perpendicular to what one reads from sources other than Kramer's, and he should be ashamed to present them as reliable. And here's a doozy from the first lieutenant. We hear a lot of rumors that they're abandoning the first lines of defense. This is what people are saying. People are saying, a lot of people say they're abandoning the first lines. God almighty, this is so pathetic. (laughs) Kramer seems accurate here. Kramer. The first lieutenant is almost certainly hearing a lot of rumors to this effect, but that's it. I read a lot of reports that Russian forces, having evacuated many residents of Kherson, are sending in engineering brigades that are assiduously fortifying the city in preparation for whatever defense may be necessary in the coming months. They're also rebuilding buildings, from what I understand. I've seen pictures of them. What seems accurate here? Uh, I'll, I tell you, it's what? got 
I, I don't know. It's it, it has got to to the point where I read Kramer's pieces. I need a safe place where they have Who? cookies, board games, and fluffy blankets, and no mainstream Who? dailies, no NPR, no BBC. His work. Kramer, you the, say? Yeah, Kramer. No. Kramer. George. His work is yeah, presented. George. His work Free is presented more as it is fought, ever more fantastically as the midterms approach. Right? And of course, then we get into um, the Duran, Alexander Mercurius, who's the London-based podcaster. He spends an hour each evening analyzing the state of things on the ground in Ukraine, using all available sources with the due caution that this work requires. These sources are many-sided, Western mainstream, Western independent, Russian mainstream, Russian independent. Ukrainian of all kinds, other sources entirely. He's to be credited for the exceptional granularity of his reports and his often nuanced political analysis. As for example, uh, his recent take, uh, for instance, his recent take on the collapse of the Ostopolitik uh, tradition in German politics. Okay. Um, Curious, astutely, I don't know. Do you, do you watch the Durand, Chris? You ever watch their stuff? No. No, oh, I really mm-hmm. haven't started. I think I've heard of them. They're good. They were on Jimmy Dore pretty recently. They just got on Rockfin also. They're on Rumble now. Uh, but he astutely points out uh, that the they Russians... did like Hungry Like the Wolf and... Uh... Duran Duran, yeah. That's Duran Duran, not the Duran. Not the Duran? And not Elvis Duran, the, the morning show host either, but, but the mm. Duran. Um, and there's... Uh, it, no it's, confusing. It's, it's Alex Christophorus is the... Um, the U.S., the American host, and then Alexander Mercurius is the... So it's Alex and Alexander are the two hosts for the Durant. Good dudes. Um, really good analysis. I know they've been on with Hinkle as well as um, some other... Again, Jimmy Dore. Um, I'm pretty sure that P-Lav and some of the other folks have had them on as well. Again, they're a pretty decent-sized channel, but... Um, yeah. So he astutely points out again that the Russians are little concerned with the presented war and prosecute the waged war according to substantive, tactical, tactical, and strategic considerations alone, not what any given move will look like when when Western media gets their hands on it. Yeah, in course. his view, right? That's he's just fighting a war. He just wants to eliminate the Nazis, and now he wants to get rid of the government there. I mean, that that, that appears regime change is is. You know, he does say that he wants to sit down and have peace talks with Zelensky, but Zelensky has been under orders so far to not yeah. until the other yeah, day. I think at first, I think at first he was ready to do the peace deal. I think now it's done. Like he's, I think Russia is like, no, we're just got to get rid of the regime. I think so too. So in, no, no. in, in Mercurius's view, Ukrainian forces have nearly shot their bolt. The Western powers are running out of weapons to send them. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Russian forces are beginning to uh-huh. gradually advance once again, which is true. And the buildup of yeah. Russian troops and materiel, anyone who looks can see, many portend one or another kind of major assault, possibly a knockout blow in the coming months. Uh, and while Patrick has not reported directly on any of the questions raised here, the preponderance of the evidence presented leads me to conclude reports such as Mercurius's are far more accurate than what Western media offer and that these media trade primarily in the propaganda of what the presented war is made. I think Moon of, Moon of Alabama also falls into where Mercurius is going. They've done an outstanding work analyzing the actual fronts and where the battles have taken place 
and where territory has been gained and lost. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to American media's reported from Ukraine once the midterms are over and there's nothing more for Democrats to win or lose. And that's what I wanted to report on today. Uh, and I, I'm going to do that after we're done here. At a certain yeah. point, the realities of the waged war will be too large and imposing to distort, obfuscate, or leave unreported. In the case of Russiagate, again, we saw Russiagate ramped up today. Again, Tom Hartman. I saw Jimmy was shared a tweet, and he said these people Tom will never Hartman. stop. All right. In the case of Russiagate, when the Times and all the media that ape it had finished their all their lying and disinformation and the house of cards had collapsed, they tiptoed quietly out the side door. Not really, because they're still doing it. All right. Yeah. I see no chance of this in the Ukraine case. American media helped to make up Russiagate out of whole cloth. The Ukraine conflict is too real for all that. Yeah. And his expectation, mm-hmm. again, the admin and, and these media will, post-elections, wage the presented war with less intensity, possibly bringing it at least slightly more in line with the waged war, they will have to think of something as gradually, but almost certainly, reality is going to catch up to them, and they can't make a war disappear that they're losing. Huh. Right. So this is what I wanted to point out today was that I missed yesterday at about 5 o'clock, the Washington Post, of all things. We got a message. I got a message on my phone popped up from the Washington Post through Apple News because I'm, I'm a sellout and I have an iPhone. Yes, I still have an iPhone. But Washington Post, thank you. Did something crash? <laughs> no. That was a no. sound bite. Okay. Uh, no. Washington, thank you. Uh, Biden administration privately, encur- <laughs> listen to this one. Biden administration privately encourages Zelensky to show Russia that Ukraine is open to negotiating to end the war. Mm. Yeah. How do they know? Guys. COVID's over, Ukraine's over. Time to move on to the next thing. And we know what that is. It's it's either it's either gonna be the superbug and or Taiwan. That's for twenty twenty three. All yeah, right, guys, they have start. the first half, I'm not gonna yeah. lie. And once yeah, things they, start heating up on that side, then people they'll slowly phase this out. So this way it doesn't look like they lost it. So they'll just stop talking about it. Media will do like a blackout on Ukraine and they'll just be constantly talking about China and Taiwan and that's yep. we're fucked. That's that's pretty much what yep. it boils down to. And I like it better yeah. than anything else. Yeah, we know, Nancy. We know. <laughs> we know. Shut up. Eat your ice cream. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paul Paul was saying that last week too, but now he's saying, get out of my house. Sorry. Yeah. She really uh, hammers it home Too soon. Too soon. Oh. oh. Yeah. Too soon. Stop it. Yeah. Too soon. Hammer time. So, dan, 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 dan. so yeah, Patrick <laughs> has also been things, censored man. off of Twitter, but he's on Patreon. His website is Patrick Lawrence, I believe it's dot com. Yeah. Definitely support him too. We we featured one of his articles last week. Another one this week is an excellent freelance independent journalist. Um, covers foreign policy, U.S., uh, British stuff primarily. Outstanding. So uh, now we have. They missed the uh, mark with the. Uh... With the Nancy thing, you know, if they had just made him like also have a sickle with it, they could have blamed it all on the Russians, you know. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. they they definitely should have done. I mean, blamed it all on the Russians. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, the Russians made the guy hit him with the hammer, like Putin had a mind control device on him. Thank you. Then there was the famous uh, Joe Joe 
uh, meme of Jimmy Dore standing next standing next to the garage door with the hammer. Um, <laughs> that one's good. Allegedly. Allegedly. Right. Paul forgot his Allegedly. Word. Yep. Uh, that's right. right. Okay. So we've got another story here, and you guys can see it. So now everybody else is going to, too. Prison healthcare. Too expensive. Okay. So this is really gross. Watch this one. Holy crap. I'm like, guys, I have uh, not heard anything about this, but prison healthcare for those who can afford it. It's the Mayo Pete version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trigger warning. We're yep. going to mention death by suicide and trauma from incarceration and medical neglect. Just as a warning, this was in Prison right. Magazine. This was shared Great. by our friends over at News Dive. Shout out to to News Dive. They're a pretty good show over on Twitch. But uh, just seeing this, just yeah, okay. But this is this is kind of a shockingly sad. <clears throat> um, I can't believe that this is going on. Like we're locking these people up and then not even giving them health care. Like so when. Ronald Marshall would hear about someone who was sick. He'd gather several days' worth of food from his prison locker box and bring it to the sick person to encourage them to get care. Incarcerated people often right. face having to choose between purchasing hygienic supplies or food at the commissary or visiting the infirmary and incurring copay costs. Copays! Oh, they pay fucking copays. Mm-hmm. We know that the brother doesn't have the $3 to pay for the medical copay, but he's sick. And $3. Is six to eight people full. It's a cluster. Yeah, three dollars in prison is like three hundred dollars. Seriously, like three dollars is like gold. (laughs) Okay. Despite how quickly health issues can compound and spread within prison walls, like many in the U.S., incarcerated people often seek care, uh, seeking care because of -of out-of-pocket copays, constrain families with limited financial resources, and settle them with medical debt. For many incarcerated right. people, that financial risk, on top of the risk of mistreatment and verbal abuse that often accompanies an infirmary visit, is more than enough to deter them from making a sick call. They get harassed for going to the to the doctor by the other prisoners. People struggle with not affording the copay. She says so Cynthia Alvarado. She served twelve years in in Pennsylvania for being wrongfully convicted of murder. That creates yeah. mental health issues because you're now depressed. You're now sad. And you now have more well, problems, know. right? You're yeah, I do know in Rikers, they don't even send you to the farm. They just let you die in the cell. Jesus. It's 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 brutal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and more problems over not being able to afford something that should just be free while you're in the custody of their care. I mean, so in 1976, the Supreme Court was ruled in Estelle v. Gamble that denying health care to an incarcerated individual is a violation of the Eighth Amendment, but that ruling says nothing about prohibiting copay. Uh, Co-pays for medical care. Prison health care is an insurance base, so any associated expenditures come out of the jurisdiction's budget unless initiated or authorized by the Department of Corrections. Anytime an incarcerated person seeks medical care, their commissary account is charged a fee or a copay. Holy yeah. shit. What if they don't even have a commissary account? What's that? What if they don't have a commissary account? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Right? Depending a lot of times, on the, families open them up for them if they have a family. But, if they have, uh, yeah. that's what I mean. If they don't have family, depending on the state or commonwealth, so. some services are excluded. As of May yeah. 2022, in Massachusetts, a three dollar copay cannot be collected for diagnosis and treatment of contagious diseases, diseases, and all mental health care. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's such a stigma from going for mental health. Exclusions vary, however, and it assumes. 
that an incarcerated individual knows that these exclusions exist. Ultimately, advocates point to the co-pays levied against the incarcerated people as a significant barrier that prevents them from accessing the care they need in post-release. Wow. <clears throat> and then there's the hidden costs of low co-pays. What, what? I, I kept reading this, and I could not believe the shit that I was learning. So again, as of as of, it's bad. As of this February, all federal prisons in forty states charge incarcerated people a copay when they initiate medical care. The average cost falls around two dollars, which is a deceptively low price tag that obscures the financial scarcity, like you said, that many incarcerated people and their families live with. Average prison wages tend to be low, according to a report by ACLU. Incarcerated people earn between thirteen and fifty-two cents per hour. And in seven states, they aren't paid at all for most work assignments. Yeah, a lot of the southern states don't even pay them. Yep. A lot of additionally, states. Right. Additionally, they're taxed up to eighty percent of those wages for room and board, court costs, restitution, and other fees like building and sustaining prisons. Holy shit! They have to pay the money that we're paying them to do work to build and sustain more prisons. Yeah, also, in some states, like money. you said, not everything is covered by copays. Medications and additional treatment may incur other fees, all of which can quickly pile up, especially for conditions that require regular visits. This means that incarcerated people often require an entire month's pay to afford covering a single copay. And then, in addition to medical care, they might have to choose between using their hard earned money to seek care or pay for supplies and privileges, such as pens and paper, postage to send letters to loved ones, or paying for a phone call to speak with their kids. Gross. Like, again, we are we live in a it, it, it's a punitive system, not a rehabilitative system. Incarcerated yeah. people aren't allowed to keep basic over the counter resources like NSA NSAIDs or cold medication. So, something as simple as needing an aspirin for headache means incurring a copay for going to the doctor. You don't think about this shit because you're not in prison. Alvarado also explained that. To deal with her acid reflux or other ailments while she was incarcerated, it was $5 to make a sick call and then $5 for each medication needed to treat it. You okay. could buy some at the commissary, like antihistamines, but that was often extremely expensive too. That's just like straight out of CBS and Walgreens, man. Right. This, the, you know, the. the hey, welcome to the Gulag. Yeah. The, but, but they're in prison. Like we, we're locking them up and not giving them the ability to make the income to pay this. The cost yeah, to treat any chronic conditions would quickly pile up. Eventually, she just learned to deal with the impacts on her health rather than risk a large amount of outstanding debt to be paid upon her release. That's just to drain out their commissary. That's exactly what that shit is. Yeah. <clears throat> and in many cases... Bob Barker's going to make more on the flip-flops. Yep. Many states, care is provided even if the person has inadequate funding, but that amount gets charged to an incarcerated person's account even if it leaves them in the negative. This means that incarcerated individuals must rely on an outside network, such as family members, to provide them the necessary funds or go into debt, which can follow them upon release, or completely forego care, which is what most of them do. It says, while some incarcerated people have outside support systems and can keep money in their, in their accounts, it's not an option available for everyone. Again, I don't know what the percentages are, but Maria Gellner, who's from PA State Policy Director for Families Against Mandatory Minimums, says it's not only a financial burden, but an emotional one for both incarcerated people and the families who support them. Well, that makes yeah. sense. 
Most people in prison don't come from wealthy backgrounds, so we're compounding a socioeconomic issue. Their families are subsidizing this. They also have the added stress of worrying about the lack of proper care, whether they can afford to subsidize it. It's money that they need. Yeah. Again, everybody needs money. We're all freaking broke right now. Um, a literature review yep. from 2020 <clears throat> details different types of debt that a formerly incarcerated person holds and what it, what impacts it might have, including medical debt, <clears throat> which one study found formerly incarcerated women are particularly impacted by. Well, that makes that makes sense, Scott. For some reason, men tend yeah. to visit the doctor less than women because of... Um, um, Menstrual cycles, all kinds of stuff. They tend to yeah. need doctors more or more frequently. Um, the harsh yeah, reality. Um, yeah, the few pre- the few prisons and j- uh, jails I worked at. Uh, yeah, they have they the few of the women ones. Yeah, they every, they're very like big on the medical part. So I I would presume that that's where all the money is going, like where they want to drain it out of. Hmm. Uh, out of I don't know who needs. Being yes to not be chosen as moderator, all good, man. Um, appreciate that. Uh, so harsh reality is that many people, especially those serving a life sentence, will not be released from prison alive. So who pays that debt in the end? I mean, their their heirs, if there are any. Uh, otherwise, it just yeah. gets written off. I guess as bad debt for the state. I I, I don't really know. Um, reports of COVID and so I mean, that. Well, keep in mind, the the prisons are all making profit. Well, not all of them, and not the ones in not the federally owned ones. I don't believe they're not for profit prisons, are they? No, but the other ones, and I think even some of the federal ones, depending on which state, Hmm. like are done through private contractors. Yeah, they're not federal; it's private, but the they they get paid through federal program. Hmm. Right. Yeah, that's I think there's a bunch of them now. They're all doing it. Because it's cheaper. Yeah. And because it's cheaper and, it. and it lets you do more quotas that way. It's like you have to like, because it's a private system, you're like, exactly. they're, they're requiring the state to push in more into that, like more yeah. uh, inmates. Yeah, there's a contract. So you have a contract and you have to incarcerate yep. a certain amount of inmates per per year or some shit like that. Right. Uh, to keep to keep that like contract available, essentially. Right. No, so basically wow. like, if they don't, if the, if the government... If they don't fill, government doesn't keep it filled, then they get charged the extra charge to the government. So it, it makes incentivizes the government to actually make sure that they keep the prison full. Yep. And it goes by like per inmate. Yep. Yep. Person of inmates. They're paying by bed per bed. I mean, and and that's and that's at county level. That's at federal level. That's at like. Yeah. But, but again, there still are federal prisons that are run as not for profit that are run. Yes. As, but again, that doesn't mean not for them. money. That means they have to spend right. whatever they take in and whatever they're allocated, uh, and they yeah. figure out allegedly. ways to spend that. No, not allegedly. They they are required by law to spend every dollar they take in, whether that is wasting wink, it on wink. whether that is wasting nudge, it on nudge. toilet paper or whatever. Who, extra toilet paper, right? But that's not a waste. They'll use that. A couple of bottle of whiskeys for the warden. Well, right. sure. I, I do know that I did talk to like one corrections officer in like one prison. And he was telling me that a lot of times they don't like private corporations coming in because what they do is they give them like a low price through contracts and through deals. And then as time goes by, they really shoot up the prices. So they like to stay government owned. They don't want to like go private in anything. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
So again, when we get into COVID, uh, reports of COVID incidents uh, suggest that the risk of contracting COVID was higher in prisons than the rest of the U.S. population and the death rate 2.3 times higher for incarcerated people. Wow. Compared to general public, again, early in the pandemic, many states suspended collection of copays to curb the spread of the disease, although this practice has since resumed in many states. With the rise of long COVID and complications worldwide, it remains to be seen how this might impact the short and long-term health of those who are incarcerated, because they're all living in close conditions that are all, all open. I mean, the the ability to spread between, you know, other than, look, we live in private residences. For, yeah. for us to give it to our neighbor is a whole lot more difficult than for them to give it to their neighbor. Even oh, before yeah. COVID, okay, one report surveying incarcerated people in 2016 just that almost 20% of people in state prisons report ever having had an infectious disease and 51% ever having had a chronic condition. Wow. Right? That's like mostly breathing stuff, I would guess, but particularly for yeah. those with chronic conditions, both the cost of seeking care and the cost of not being able to seek care can add up to devastating results. I can't even imagine what like a diabetic or someone who has to be on dialysis would, would do in prison. Um, yeah. Again, these risks become even higher for marginalized people in carceral facilities who tend to be black, Latinx, and other people of color, often in poorer health than the general population, and part of a rapidly aging population that needs more specialized care. Right. Which means there's less money available for the healthier population. And for many advocates, the removal of medical copays in prison is about more than affected individuals. It's about moving toward equity and justice within the carceral system. Yes. I mean, look, we're locking these people up. The least we can do is give them health care. Um, yeah. The thing is, is that the, the argument, I think, for many people is, is that they would get better health care in prison than they do out of prison. So that's almost an incentive to commit crime, to go to prison to get health care yeah. at that point. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. But you've got... Officials claiming that prison medical care co-pays are meant to discourage people from seeking what they call unnecessary and wasteful health care, as well as teach them how to budget. Yeah, right. But the ultimate impact of this condescending assumption is that incarcerated people are discouraged from seeking care. Some states have recognized these challenges, and advocates are doing what they can to abolish co-pays. Yes. Illinois eliminated its $5 medical copay in 2019 which became effective right before the start of COVID, which is perfect. The overlap of pandemic's onset and elimination of copay somewhat obscures the true impact on the prison population. But 2018 surveys con conducted by the John Howard Association, which is a prison oversight org that helped with the, the effort to abolish copays, right? they found that over 60% of people who were incarcerated avoided seeking care because of the copay. I mean, again, you've got them locked up already. You want to try to get them out and rehabilitate them. There's no, you want to get them healthy. Not having a copay definitely makes a difference in people's willingness to seek medical care. Okay, while Pennsylvania paused the collection of copays during early stages of the pandemic for anyone with flu-like symptoms, staffing problems caused medical lines to increase, and the state reinstituted the copay to help reduce staffing issues because they didn't want right. to pay more people. To be on staff. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, yep. like, I'm just staying yourselves. Okay. Um, oh, sweat it out. Yeah, but this reduction in staffing lines, of course, 
comes at a human cost, according to Anton Andrew, who works with the Pennsylvania Prison Society as their education advocacy fellow. People are getting sick and have injuries that are going without treatment that are getting more severe until they're in a critical situation and ultimately are taken to the infirmary by the department just to cave in and cough up the copay. When it, they had just paid earlier, they wouldn't have gotten that bad. Oh. So it's basically the U.S. health care system right now everywhere. Pretty much. Yeah, but this is by force, essentially. Like, Yeah, yeah. Copay collection Ridiculous. in Pennsylvania indefinitely paused at the end of May 2021, but there are two problems. Unless legislation passes to rescind them permanently, it could mean future harm if they resume, and inconsistency over whether there are copays can cause extreme confusion. That's the other big thing. Again, for particularly vulnerable populations like women and those with a uterus, delaying care because they can't afford it can be extremely harmful. This is where it really gets rough. Despite a predominantly male prison population, the number of women who are incarcerated has risen over 740% between 1980 and 2019. Regular mammograms or pap smears can detect cancer with enough time to prevent it from becoming a chronic issue or even fatal. Still, as time between regular gynecological screenings grows longer, lack of money only serves as a deterrent to seeking timely care. You know, she explained that women might experience something abnormal, such as bleeding, but it's ultimately ignored until it's too late. And all too often, along with the trauma of a forced hysterectomy, patients must take hormone pills for the rest of their lives. If they would have gotten the screening sooner or they hadn't had the $5 copay, we would have treated the cancer or even known, found out that there was some there. But in the end... The result is the hysterectomy that women are getting so often in prison that nobody's talking about. Now is that, is that the gold plan or the silver plan? Which one is that? I think that's I think that's um, the bronze. I think it might be the bronze plan. The oh, rust okay. plan. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Marshall was released last October after serving twenty three years of a robbery sentence in different Louisiana prisons. And now she's involved in the writing and advocacy of, of a bill that directly addresses copays. Louisiana notably has the highest percentage of incarcerated individuals in the U.S. The reform cannot come soon enough, despite support from those in power to completely abolish copays in Louisiana prisons. The bill stalled in committee in March. Fucking politics. The main mm-hmm. area of concern is the same one repeatedly heard: without a copay, people would abuse the healthcare system and seek wasteful care, because people should not get wasteful healthcare. Instead of no, it's a staple of America, I mean, man. Oh my God! Instead of full elimination, what's proposed now is that anyone with more than two hundred dollars in their account, copays are reduced from three dollars to two dollars. Thanks for anyone with an account balance of under two hundred dollars, the copay is automatically completely removed. And while this may reduce the chances of going into medical debt while incarcerated, what that's going to do is they're going to keep their balance below two hundred dollars, and it's not nearly enough. All right, the longer you're in prison, the more you begin to lose your support system. Family dies off, right? Loved ones die off. You're there alone. You have men who've been yeah. incarcerated 30 to 40 years. They don't have anyone sending them anything. Yep. Yep. You know, so again, the consequences of completely foregoing or receiving inadequate care is only magnified when a person is incarcerated. Again, total monstrous shit. Individuals can develop complicated chronic issues that could otherwise have been presented, prevented 
and that affects the quality of life and transmissible diseases and viruses like TB and HIV are known to spread quickly in prisons, of course. Yep. You know, so both Marshall and Alvarado have seen people permanently affected by the poor medical care that they received. Alvarado recalls a woman who's now paralyzed because of a botched hysterectomy. Marshall yeah. remembers a man who repeatedly sought relief for chronic headaches and ultimately suffered a burst aneurysm. While he survived, Marshall said he's different now. These guys are still walking the earth, but their quality of life isn't the same as a result of the medical care they received while incarcerated. Again, nobody's expecting them to get gold-level package care, but they are supposed to get some. Um, Alvarado was released in March 2020, still has health issues from being incarcerated. Physically, stomach issues she couldn't afford to treat persist to this day. Emotionally, the women who died because of untreated medical conditions or by suicide have also stayed with her. You know, she said she if she sees girls alive at five and then by six they hang themselves because of mental health issues or seeing the comrades die because of denied medical treatment, I have to live with all that stuff. Heartbreaking. Man, we're, all these advocates, man, they, they deal with such pain and trauma all the time. Um, medical co-pays in prison are only one problem in the prison healthcare system. But advocates say they speak to the larger issue of how incarcerated people need to be treated as people. Yes. Sometimes healthcare may be the only human attention a person has received in an unfathomable amount of time. This is why Alvarado says she did janitorial work at the infirmary while incarcerated. Receiving health care is much more than just treating physical or mental ailments. Yeah. She wanted to work the infirmary because she knew that there were a lot of aging lifers in that area. They were also, they were already being neglected. So I figured I could offer them some type of relief while I was cleaning the rooms or assisting them in some ways that I could just being another human. Mm. And Stop. again, yeah, that's it. Despite yeah. everything she witnessed and what prison stripped of, stripped her of, both literally and figuratively, she refused to give up completely. And it's why she's so willing to speak about these issues today. Don't say I hope. She said I will, because that makes you stronger, and they will not win. I mean, the resolve on that woman is remarkable. Um, yeah. Just holy crap. But opays for prisoners. I, I did not know that they were charging people that we were locking up for the yeah. shitty health care that we weren't giving them. I mean, holy crap. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, what can I say? I mean, it's like, Boy, that's what prisons that are, man, you know? Quickly. Yes, that did I mean, escalate. That really got yep. I mean, they're, there. they're not there for the prisoners. They're there. I mean, and money. you know what? This would be no better under a Trump regime, you know? No. Um, We'll say that right now. Uh, we're we are not fans of Donald Trump either. He he would yeah. be no better in this case. Um, yeah, no, this is, mm -hmm. I mean, it, eventually all prisons are going to be privatized. But uh, yeah, it's just that's their be goal. Bad. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. it's going to be it's for profit, you know, uh, through contracts, whether it's f uh, federal. But it's going to be bad. I mean, uh, but what are you going to say? I mean, how long are we going to last anyway? So, Whew. well, well, at least till thirty thirty five. Well, according, according to, to Joe Biden, electric GM, cars, GM's yeah. going electric by thirty thirty five. If you according to, to her, yeah. is that three oh three three five? Is that is that is that what that is? We're testing three oh three three five. Yeah, three oh three three five. Yeah, there you go. Um, 
So, okay, 11. All right, we got, uh, that was what, the second? That was like the third story, I think. That might even be the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, yeah. so we got Starbucks. These are quick ones. Starbucks on strike. What? And you see a little something over there that like, yep, bed bugs. Holy oh, shit. Garage of bed the bugs. bed bugs were the last straw for us Starbucks workers at New York City Road Street strike against unsafe work conditions. Uh-oh. They've been striking now. Again, I don't know if this has New been York resolved City. yet. This was almost a week ago now, October 30th, yeah. in Left Voice. Shout out to Left Voice. Indie Media Award honoree, another one. Dude, we got yeah. a lot of Indie Media Award people this week. Okay, workers at New York City Starbucks Reserve in the Meatpacking District been on strike since the beginning of, the, of last week against unsafe work conditions and the multi-billion dollar yeah. corporation's refusal to bargain in good faith with the union for first contracts. Of course, we know this. Striking workers note how managers at one Starbucks, one of their flagship stores, refused to address work conditions that are prove, provide, proving to be health hazards. Yeah. The store had a recent outbreak of bed bugs in the break room. So gross. And there's been black mold in the ice machine for months. Why? Yeah. Two workers who spoke with Left Voice under conditions of anonymity described how management instructed them to discard any ice with mold in it and carry on without addressing the root of the problem. Jeez. Oh, yeah. When the bed bug infestation happened, workers were asked to remove their belongings from the break room, but were not told why. It was only days later they learned of the bed bug infestation, which means that the fumigation and cleaning for which workers believe were substandard. But beyond that, anything that they brought out could have already been infected and they could have brought it home. Yeah. 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 To their kids and their families. Okay. Yeah, you know, this... you know what's the worst part about these managers is that just for a little bit of extra power over their employees, right? Just for that little out. extra power, they sell out. They treat their employees like shit, and it's for a little tiny power, and then they wind up usually getting fired anyway and getting replaced with another manager. It's like they don't mm-hmm. even get moved up within the company. So it's like they do all this ass kissing for nothing, and they fuck everyone over, and this mm-hmm. is what you get. For two bucks an hour more than the, than than the hourly wage, you know. To, yeah, to get like a dollar more. <laughs> like it's it's like, dude, why are you selling out? What the hell's wrong with you, bro? What the fuck is that from the roastery? Roast. <laughs> oh damn, that's pretty nice. One worker, Laura Garza, says, "I myself have gotten sick from attempting to clean the mold from the ice machine without proper training, and the bed bugs were just the last straw from us. We cannot risk bringing that home." Workers United, the rep, the union rep of the workers filed an OSHA complaint against the facility as well as a national unfair labor practice charge with the NLRB over the failure to bargain and listed the roastery in 151 other locations where Starbucks has refused to begin bargaining. NLRB is such a waste of an of organization. They don't do shit. It, mm-hmm. And it's the only organization at all that we have even slightly to hold these guys accountable. There's only one. Right? You know? We're, well, other than Congress and the White House, but we all know what they're doing. Workers at this Starbucks Reserve Roastery, many of whom are young, queer women, okay, were the first Starbucks uh, shop in New York City to unionize, winning their union election on April 1st of this year, the same day, uh, uh, funny enough, as the Amazon one. uh, But that was very much overshadowed the day after. They are one of 12 Starbucks locations to have unionized in downstate New York, one of seven in the city. Nationally, over 250 have elected to unionize with over 100 workers at this location alone. This is one of the bigger shops to have unionized nationally. And that's one of the things that I was talking about is 
Why is it so much more difficult to unionize Amazon facilities? It's because of the massive size and number of workers there and to go after a smaller Starbucks. But 100 people working at a Starbucks voting to unionize, that's not little. Right. And again, although it's been months since they won their elections, workers at the roastery, like other unionized stores across the country, still don't have a first contract. Starbucks refuses to bargain in good faith with workers while continuing their union busting practices. Right. They're facing. And then it also, also like another thing I just wanted to mention real quick. Sorry to cut you off. No, 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 go. But, but like um, Starbucks and like Amazon also is that usually people in Star, it seems to me, and this is just my opinion, is that they seem to know more about unions than people in Amazon. I don't, I, I don't think they're that really knowledgeable about what unions are and what they stand for. Because or when I did the, the union drive of. online, yeah, when I did the union drive at my place, like people just didn't know what it was. And then someone just said, union's bad. And they were like, oh, yeah, union's bad. And so <laughs> that's how it usually worked. Yep. Yep. Union's corrupt. You got corrupt leadership. And it is. Yeah, a, it's a top-down structure. Uh, there yeah. Again, it, it, we, we much prefer to see workers own own the means of, of production completely right. and co-op right. and, and have ownership. But the company yeah. I mean, I talked knows, to yep. Right. Yeah, I talked to one employee. He's like, I hate unions because uh, I threatened to beat up my manager and uh, they still fired me. My union didn't protect me. I was like, you threatened to beat up your manager, dude. Manager, <laughs> like, right. Like, like, like stop talking? breaking the law, <laughs> asshole. Right, so <laughs> like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe union couldn't defend you for doing that. I'm sorry, buddy, but you have to hate unions for that. So, right, yeah. right. Because the brotherhood broke, right? But there, oh. again, over 300 unfair labor practices already. NLRB offices around the country have issued Starbucks over 35 official complaints it's it, that's like that's like you know a speeding ticket you know yeah. <laughs> all right citing it for coercing threatening firing employees over union activities right. we've covered that plenty withholding wage increases and in benefits from unionizing stores which we've also covered right. since the wave of unionization at the coffee giant right. began they fired over 100 workers who were organizing for a union on top of closing locations entirely once they vote to unionize right. so although the store it, has yeah. over a yep yeah, you know what LRB does? They did like what the squad does. They send like the companies like a strongly worded letter. That's pretty mm-hmm. much what they do. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, and, and they may issue a fine, but it's still peanuts in comparison yeah. to what Starbucks quarterly earnings are. Oh, yeah. yeah. They pay right off. Okay. Right. Although the store has over 100 <laughs> workers, not everyone's out on the picket lines with many fearing retaliation from management. Of course, at the grocery and the gross, the grocery as, as Screw Google is very cleverly put um every other store and every other store that's unionized or seeking a path towards unionization management has worked overtime to maintain an air of fear often even depriving workers of knowledge of their rights that they even and that they even have a union oh my goodness but since the strike began at the roastery workers have begun have been picketing outside the facility every day forcing it to close early the last few evenings workers at the picket and screw anybody. I'm sorry. If you're crossing the picket line while your fellow workers, I, I get that you got to earn, earn a check. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're part of the union. The union should be hooking you up, at least with some kind yeah. of strike pay. Okay. Yeah. But but you can't cross that line. Workers at the picket yeah. also spoke yeah. about how management was bringing in scabs from the yet-to-open Empire State Building location to work at the store. And again, screw yeah. you, scabs. Workers yeah. at Starbucks. That's not like right to work. Right to work works like that. So it's like people are automatically in union, but you don't have to be in it or some shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help cross the picket line. Yeah. You know, each worker makes hundreds of dollars worth of beverages every hour for Starbucks. They're creating value far beyond what they're compensated for. The company's massive profits are a direct product of the workers' labor. 
for striking workers. It's essential to expand, mobilize, use this power of the shop floor to fight, not just for safe conditions, but against every injustice suffered under Starbucks management and and beyond. <laughs> Little Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, well, good for Starbucks, man. At least they're at least they're doing it, you know. Good for those workers. So trying with the Starbucks, with yeah. the Starbucks yeah. folks. You know, again, we try to we try to showcase the good work that they're doing and and the fight that they yeah. that they're taking because they're literally taking on one of the most powerful companies in in the world with one of the yeah. biggest union busters that tried to run for president and he got ratioed so hard off of Twitter it literally scared him away from running for president. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey Bezos. No, no, this is Howard Schultz. But yeah. Bezos wouldn't run for yeah. president. I think Bezos may, man, one day, man. Oh, maybe. I think Musk will run. I could see Musk, oh, but Bezos God. doesn't have a public personality, that. really, like yeah. a public profile nearly high enough. Like, right. People know his name, and they know yeah. Amazon, but they, but like nobody had ever really heard him speak until like a year ago or so, I think, really. Yeah. Unless you were like some corporate board member or executive. Um, so, okay. We have one more Starbucks story, and I think this might be it. Uno mas? Uno mas. More Starbucks union busting, and we just talked about it, and we have even more evidence. The NLRB says that Howard Schultz's comment to a pro, to a pro union worker was illegal. And again, this is Dude, a double. That hurt like a butt cheek. On... Uh oh, another yeah. strongly worded right. letter coming. Yep, a double, a double <laughs> indie media award winner. This is Sharon Zhang. Of Truth Out, Truth Out Indie Media Award winner because they're awesome and they're a great outlet. And then Sharon herself is an outstanding writer who has been covering labor, specifically the Starbucks and Amazon stuff for a while. And she's got great takes. And one of these days, I'm hoping to have the opportunity to interview her and, and have a conversation with her about how she yeah. picks stories and, and what her methodology is and and kind of how she feels about all of this. Because you can kind of see it in her writing. But again, I, I just such a big admirer. There are so few writers and so few journalists that, that stay on this beat. And, and I give a, I give them credit again. Luis Felice Leon over at Labor Notes. And and Mike Elk over at, at Payday Report. There are a few. Not very many. Uh, Jonah Furman over at Who Gets the Bird also. Um, but again, here we've got... Yeah. Howard Schultz's suggestion to a pro-union worker earlier this year that they should work somewhere else constituted an illegal threat, according to NLRB. During a meeting between Howard and a Long Beach, California and Long Beach, California workers in April, he told a pro-union worker, Madison Hall, I'm sensing a lot of anger from you about Starbucks. Um, <laughs> she'd been the she'd been the leader of a union effort at a Long Beach store. Yeah. If you hate Starbucks yeah. so much, why don't you work somewhere else? He continued. She later did resign. It had been Schultz's first week returning as CEO of Starbucks, a move the company made specifically so that he could lead their union best busting campaign, which they which was the claim of the union. Yeah, that's Labor what officials... uh, the union busters. I'm sorry, that the union busters do is when they come in, they tell all the management and the CEOs like that every worker that's for the union is anti-company. They hate the company, so that's why it makes sense why he said that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So again, the CEO threatened employees with discharge by inviting employees to quit their employment because they engaged in union and or protected concerted activities per Bloomberg. Well, that's a good thing. But what are they going to do? According to the union, prior to the remark, 
Schultz had asked workers how he could help restore the trust in the company, to which she said the company could lighten up, lighten up on and be more transparent about its anti-union campaign. Quote, the worker was immediately silenced and told not to bring the union movement. Okay, the union said in a press release, Schultz apologized on behalf of the employee to the rest of the group. We're fighting to make Starbucks a better company and a better place to work. We want to bargain with the company as equals and have a real voice, Josie Serrano. Okay, Long Beach Barista said in a statement, Howard Schultz is not good for Starbucks. Threatening a barista for simply wanting to make Starbucks better is not only absurdly inappropriate, but downright childish and mean. Well, yeah, that's what billionaires do. Okay. The company had denied wrongdoing, saying that Schultz made the comments to keep the meeting on topic. Okay. Starbucks Workers United get attorney Gabe Frumkin, that's a funny last name, Frumkin, told Bloomberg that the interaction showed not just Hall, but all the employees present at the company, uh, that that the company could retaliate against them if they organize a union. His comment shows that they can't, that they can either change the terms of your work relationship or end it entirely based on the fact that a worker has voiced support for that union. This is the second labor charge that the NLRB has filed in response to his actions in August. Of course, we know that the NLRB, and I think we covered this, they charged him with breaking labor laws when he promised wage raises for non-unionized employees only. Yep, we covered right. that. Yes, we yeah. did. According to the union, again, the NLRB has issued 37 complaints alleging over 800 labor law violations by Starbucks. This yeah, is a publicly did that secretly. Company. They did that secretly. They pull them off to the side and the employees and do that. It's it's unreal. Yeah. They, yeah. Workers, again, successfully unionized over 250 stores. Their campaign appears to be entering a new phase as they begin to sit down. Now, I know that the company has agreed now to start sitting down with them, but what did they do? They said they agreed. And then they showed up 45 minutes late, got there, got up, and walked out of the meeting without saying a goddamn mm-hmm. word to say that they sh- that they showed up, but they didn't actually say or do anything. The company has been extremely resistant to making progress, such again, has walked away from bargaining meetings across multiple stores just after minutes in the room, workers say. Mm-hmm. Wow, I just said yeah. that. How about that? Like I said, yeah, I had a quick one. Bargaining in good faith is <laughs> bullshit. They don't even listen to that. And that... Mm-hmm is my portion wow which is right on right on point hour 18 see that indy's good good, not even because if you actually take out the first five or six minutes of intro hi everybody whatever theme song hi um, everybody yeah hi everybody um all right so cool man that was our that was our news stories and and fun portion Again, solidarity to Starbucks workers with Starbucks workers. Um, yeah. Here you get and giving him. Well, that was fun. Yeah. This was good. Um, that was yeah, a good one, man. It was. Next week, I am actually going to be on a business trip. So I'm going to set up a best of and we'll run a clip show and I'll figure out what the theme is and we'll pull in some of the uh, the clips for episode 59 of how did we miss that uh we'll be back in two weeks the week before thanksgiving um and the day before that actually we're we're talking about on the 19th um the anniversary extravaganza however we're gonna do that uh celebrating the first year of indie news network and we're figuring out exactly how we're gonna feature different shows we may interview INN members talking about how these shows came together. Um, 
there's a lot of different conversations happening over exactly what that's going to look like. Um, but stay tuned for sure. We're also going to talk about INN members that have appeared on other shows and other networks and other channels and bring <laughs> some of that into the fold. We're going to talk about some of the things that we've done as far as like the student debt boycott marathon that we did back last year. And it's, you know, we're going to do like a past, present, future, what, what to expect from, from the network. We're going to do some of the live shows. I think Reef and Colin are talking about doing INN News Live. Um, we'll probably pull in a couple of American tradition things with Jesse from some of the best episodes there. Uh, we're just still trying to, again, figure out exactly what that's going to look like. We want to try to include as many of the members as possible. There will be a live stream probably starting at 10 p.m. on Saturday night on the 19th that will be open to all the members as a roundtable. And then we'll go into Reefer After Dark slash Boats, smashing into other boats at the end, and we'll close that out. And then at 12.15, I'm guessing Warren will probably take over and do a secret show on uh, Saturday night. So um chris again thank you so much for coming everybody go follow chris's new twitter what's your new twitter account uh right now it's uh you can just type up chris legion but it's a ruthless review ruthless underscore review you're right ruthless underscore review yeah i still have my old twitter account so you can also catch me on there legion socialist and uh yeah you sure you update your link also um yeah go on to um Substack, though, that's where I'm going to be doing much more articles. Uh, that's that's going to be a big thing, and I'm going to be doing a lot of Substack. So, um, as I wind down on Twitter, oh, we uh, love the Substack until they, they uncensor me. So, <laughs> go, to go, Substack. Go, go check us out on Substack, Indie Media Today, Indie Media Today, or Indie Media Today.com is our Substack. Uh, we summarize the top six videos on just about a daily basis, plus live stream alerts also the home of the uh, Friends of Indie Left podcast. So if you click on the podcast tab, you'll see a, a 12 of the 13 episodes that we've had for the podcast so far. And um, now they have this new thing. I don't know if you've got an iPhone, Chris, but there's actually a chat app on the iPhone version of Substack, and they're working on an Android chat version as well. Yeah. They're trying to take over and trying to take um, a part of Twitter where like you can share a link and then have a bunch of people comment on it. It's almost like, I, I feel like in telegram, there's, there's a similar thing and each yeah. one is its own mm -hmm. kind of threaded conversation. Um, I've right. started doing it. So if you, if you go to Indie media today and you look at the uh, chat tab, if you're subscribed to our Substack, you'll see the chat tab on your app and you'll actually be able to see some of the things I posted. Like yesterday, I kind of posted just an update. Here are some of the things that we've been up to. And today I posted like an image. Here's the, the top six that we had yesterday. And you can go find it at this Substack there. There's a lot of cool stuff happening over there. Um, and more people are getting on a Substack. Mastodon, you see, uh, who knows what's happening with Elon, Twitter. And... But yeah, stay tuned. This week, uh, we're going to have tomorrow night, Extra Booyah, the return of Extra Booyah. First show since July. Uh, Uncle Warren's going to have INN member Colin, um, INN News host co-host colin braddox carter and he's going to talk about education and and networks inn who knows what else they're going to talk about tuesday night we've got american tradition jesse jett has just finished his new album uh the co-op and it will be released on election day and election night we are doing um we're doing american tradition 10 o'clock so um all the rigging there we're going to rig our our, our show too we're going to go through the co-op album and it's going to be a listening party 
And then Wednesday night, uh, Tuesday night also, Reef and Colin are scheduled to take a visit over at our friends over at Two Dissidents, Keaton and Russ. Uh, and then Wednesday night, Keaton and Russ are going to join Reef and Colin over for INN News. Yes, um, sir. And then Friday night, Saturday night, secret show next week. Sunday night will be a best of for how do we miss that. So that's the upcoming week. Uh, Chris may be doing some stuff on the network. Lucy has been going live more often. Big Mad Crab, shout out to Big Mad Crab for going live uh, this week and doing the list that made every uh, all of Shitlib Twitter melt down. Uh, it was great Aww, to see everybody's yeah. reactions. Hilarious. Yes. Um, they always come out when yep. we do those things. They, they managed to find us, you know, uh, oh, but, yes, but it got, it got responses from like Emma Vigland and it got several oh, yeah, yeah. pretty. Oh, I heard, to I heard the Vanguard was going to react to Jesse Jet's spoken word. Well, we'll see if that them. happens. Yeah. I yeah. can't wait for that. that well, uh, Crab and Jesse yeah, are begging them to do it. They're double dog daring them to do it. So yes, we'll their we'll divine intellect, they there. will do an amazing show. <laughs> yeah. So, so I thank thank you, Reef, for not putting up the timer for my pitch fest tonight. So uh for no that worries. and and for tonight I'm going it's to It's over nine thousand Nice, thank you. So I'm yes. gonna again say to uh to keep questioning everybody's motivations and uh and thank everybody for coming tonight and we'll see you next week and download the podcast. Yeah. All right, everybody. Don't right. vote Democrat. Keep listening to what little birds have to tell you. I think I liked it better being blind When I couldn't read between the lines And when I couldn't see the cracks in the structure That lay bare before me the whole time I think I liked it better back when I Suspended disbelief and swallowed pride I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue But they both bleed us so dry both bleed us so dry My favorite songs don't hit the same way I get to the end of a four minute track And I'm only looking back thinking What did they actually say? So I try to